0: This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy.
1: Your, your wife must truly be romanced there, Aaron. seriously. There's like no oh, bitterness. You're... No. Yeah, yeah, no, there really isn't.
0: Oh, if you were talking about my wife, I was going to say there's lots of bitterness, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't left yet, so I guess we haven't reached the limit. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Bitter Units, a beer podcast hosted by the Tailgate Society and sponsored proudly by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Get it at your local fairway, Hy-Vee's, Amazon Prime, sort of, kind of, maybe. I've heard it's been difficult to get there lately. Um, And a local website that uh, Ted mentioned in the last episode Uh, was lowcloymarket.com is what i understood when i went back and listened to it um so we'll figure that out we'll tag it on this episode um but thanks again for joining us again i'm aaron wall joined tonight in studio two with uh tim johnson and uh studio three we've got jt nutt and uh tim tell us who our very special guest is this evening
1: well, tonight we are lucky to be joined by Justin Kendall of Brewbound. Brewbound is one of the, uh, certainly one of the sources that I go to for craft beer news, for beer news in general. Uh, and he also just happens to be a fellow Iowa Stater. So very, very happy to
2: have Justin on. Justin, welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here
0: awesome well we sure appreciate you coming in and and uh but i guess you didn't really come to us or anything but coming on the pod and uh and sharing with us if catch up a little bit about this so jt does a lot of craft brews um is big into that stuff i'm i'm the very old school give me a beer just let it be beer guy and i don't know anything so um when it comes down to that kind of stuff. That's kind of the gist of where we're going. And obviously we pretend that Tim is the expert. Um <laughs> so um we're just gonna kind of dive right into it. Um obviously I spent a little bit of time trying to research and, and look at some of the articles and stuff that you that you uh wrote on brewbound and, and perused around, but I also had to do my real job today, so I didn't read as much as I wanted to. Um But obviously a lot of what's going on right now is focused on the COVID-19 and what's going on with the industry. And my first question is really from a guy who's in touch nationally. um, What kind of predictions do you have or what would you guess is the number of breweries that just aren't going to make it, unfortunately?
2: Well, uh, (laughs) you're really throwing out the easy question. (laughs) Like how shitty is it going to be? So,
0: well, I mean, it's the truth though. I mean, no. I don't think I, anybody who's involved thinks it's not going to be ugly. So,
2: No, it, it's it it feels like it's going to be ugly and I don't think we we've, we've begun to see the dire predictions play out, but I think that they're going to start to it's going to be like a slow roll. And I don't know if I believe the 50 to 60% of breweries are going to close, but I'm not gonna be surprised if that those predictions come true. It's just such a capital intensive business, and there are so many of these companies that are over-leveraged that it's just it just it's a bad situation. And you throw in what six thousand of those breweries are built on serving directly to the consumer and had no distribution, and it, it, it's a bad, bad picture. So any of these headlines you see that it's like beer sales are great. Yeah, beer sales are great in the off premise, but that doesn't make up for all this on premise loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, was it 75% of breweries do less than 1,000 barrels a year? Yep. So, you know, the, the vast majority of them are small. And even the ones that are doing packaged, the margins are so raz- razor thin on, on packaged that, uh, again, it the bread and butter is still still those pints in, in the tap room that are are moving the needle for them
0: yeah so and so the follow-up and, and maybe if you want to look at it this way if you're you know uh, depending on how you look at things the the potential bright side of that coming out of it um, possibly would be you know with some of those guys that unfortunately don't make it it might will that make it easier for other people to start new breweries because there'll be a glut of available locations and already established businesses that will be cheaper than starting from scratch because everything's been from scratch for the last like 10 years right because all the new breweries have popped up
2: there's still a bit of hermit crabbing going on already where a brewery will close and another one will open in its place so that's been going on there's been about what would you say, Tim, about 1,000 breweries opening each year, and we've yeah. only started to see the uptick in closures. I think last year it was there were 294 brewery closures, and that was the record. And so the, the Brewers Association's chief economist, Bart Watson, who's like one of the smartest people, probably the smartest person in the industry, he's been saying that these two, the openings and closings numbers are going to, they're going to meet at some point. Well, they're going to meet a lot, a lot sooner than we ever thought that they would if this comes true. And a lot of those companies that we're looking to open, I don't know how you can do that. Because the lead time on this is what, Tim? Like a year at least a, a lot of times to open your brewery. And so you're already like just burning cash, you know, hand over fist to get open, so and then we don't even know what what an opening or a reopening looks like at this point so i can't imagine trying to open a business you know and and try and figure out what the square footage is that i'm going to be able to use not to bore you guys to death on this but this is what i've been like living since mid-march yeah no i you know
1: i would say The general rule has always been whatever timeline you think it's going to take to open, double it, and you might be almost there. And now you have to figure out that not only are you strapped for cash, but there's going to be these secondary and tertiary problems in the industry where people are out of work. They're not going to have discretionary income to spend on beer, so they're not going to be spending nearly as much on beer. It's going to have different effects on supply chain, on our Ability to get raw materials you're going to find struggles there too that even if you're able to get that brewery open it doesn't mean you can get customers in the door get product in to make that beer
2: and have time to make a good product you know like if somebody's opened the door it's not always the case that that product's going to be ready to go from day one that's a lot of time there's a learning curve there sure
1: well, why don't we why don't we take a, a step back, actually, Justin? Because we didn't give you a chance to even kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into where you were. Aaron just came out guns a blazing with, with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> with. What are you going to do?
2: One? Yeah, let's get all the yeah. doom and gloom talk going. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry,
0: I was I I I'm sorry. I was looking through all the headlines of all the stuff you've written in the last month or two. You know, since the corona started and those things have just been in my brain all day as i look through that and i was just like i just i did i came out with the six shooters and started firing so (laughs) i do apologize for that but uh yeah it's your show you know i was excited about it so you know I, i do want to learn more even though i am the idiot of the group so um on the business side that stuff is always interesting to me but uh how did you end up doing what you're doing and get to where you're at
2: well, uh, I used to write for Alt Weekly newspapers. So I did a stint in Des Moines and I did a stint, 11 year stint in Kansas City. And I wrote for a publication called The Pitch. And probably the last three years of that, I noticed the beer scene was finally catching it up. It, it had always been Boulevard there, but there were all these smaller breweries that started to crop up, started to crop up. I was like, oh, there's a scene here. So I started writing about it. And I ended up going to a BrewBound event that they held, a brew talks meetup at Boulevard, where, which is a gathering. You, you go and you listen to a bunch of panel discussions and then you network and you have beers. And I was like, oh, I'll follow this. And I alt weeklies were falling apart. They were just going to. Uh, can you cuss on here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Knock they're just going home. to shit. Like <laughs> I, I had watched layoff after layoff, and I was like, "I gotta get the fuck out of here. I, like I'm not gonna make it. Like it, it got down to the point where it, it's like when I got there, there were like eleven riders. When I left, there were probably maybe eleven people on staff total. And if that, um, so I had to get out. I had to get out of Kansas City. And I saw this job posting come up for a writing job for Brewbound, and I was like, "Oh, I'll apply." And I got it. Like, I flew out. Uh, I think it was on like September 9th of twenty sixteen, whatever that was. Left with an offer, and I was—I knew on the plane. I was like, "I'm—I'm I'm leaving Kansas City in two weeks." So, I'd never—I didn't even know where Watertown, Massachusetts, was. I was like, "Is it near <laughs> Boston? Is it on the western part of the state?" Like. Is there anything around there? I, I just knew that I was going. That's so awesome.
1: You, yeah, so, orig, so you were, I mentioned at the, at the top that you were an Iowa Stater as well. Uh, what was your major
2: when you were there? Journalism. Okay, makes sense. Uh, I feel lucky, man. Like, journalism is, a, a it's a tough gig, and it's hard to make it, and you see all of these, like, all of the layoffs, like I just remember all of the layoffs. And it's not like BrewBound's a big staff. It's like there are two of us on the BrewBound staff. There's a, a larger support staff, but it's like it, it still feels like I'm part of something special here, which is really exciting. And I feel, I feel really lucky to be a part of this industry. I love the beer industry. Like it's, getting in has been the best thing
0: awesome i love beer so i can totally see how you would get drawn to you know doing that you can if you really like beer and you like to write and you can put the two things together that's
2: awesome i mean i i blame my upbringing i grew up in madrid iowa which is this tiny town (laughs) with one stoplight yeah yeah a casey's not a come and go a get and go and uh, I, I guess there are a few more things downtown. I, I used to work at the video store in, in Madrid, Iowa. It, it was called Dave's TV and Video, although there was a rival video store called Adventureland, which town of, like, at that time, like, 1,500 to 2,000. Like, how how do you have two video stores? Like
3: You live in Iowa and there's nothing else. Sorry, I was going to say. I thought I was muted there. You live in Iowa and there's nothing else to do besides go bowling. But, Madrid, yeah. but Madrid's kind of big now because they are right along the bike trail, so craft brews and bikers go hand-in-hats hand on a roundabout way.
2: It's well, actually it's a big spot. I, I, I feel like I was sort of predestined for this because my uncle owned the bar in Madrid, at BJ's Lounge at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then... Uh, they all I think most of my family was in the Madrid Beer Drinkers Association, so MBDA. So, I, I feel preordained.
0: That's that's awesome. I I remember Madrid. I at in a previous life, it seems like now I was a high school football coach and a teacher and stuff. And Madrid was really good at football. At one point, remember, yeah. At one time, when I was doing that, I I know Madrid pretty well from that, so, uh, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, you moved then, I guess, Iowa State, then Des Moines, then Kansas City?
2: Yeah, yeah, I so, went to Iowa State, I, I was there, let's see, I gotta do my math here, it was like the, uh, 99 to 2001, somewhere in there, so, yeah. Okay. At, and that was a great time to be at Iowa State. So, at least from a sports perspective, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: I was, I, so I was ninety six to two thousand, uh, December of two thousand, and uh, Tim, you were in the same ballpark. Yeah, I
1: was ninety seven to December two thousand. So yeah, so yeah, so there's some overlap
0: there. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So the, the yeah. last, we're uh, uh, leaving JT out, but I don't care. The last. Uh, <laughs> The last really big thing I did, Iowa State-wise, was go to the bowl game in Phoenix. Uh I just graduated, and that was my post-graduation trip to go to that bowl game in in Phoenix. That was a good time. Uh, It wasn't a good time getting my buddy out of jail after he got picked up for an OWI, but that's a different story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez.
2: So, Justin, what were you drinking in college? It's not craft beer, uh, apparently. <laughs> like, I, I I remember going down. I, I can't remember. What what was the Irish bar in Campus Town with the basement? I remember going down there and, like, drinking Foster's for whatever reason. Was, was it Mickey's? Or I, Patty's? I think it was Patty's. Patty's. It was definitely Patty's. Patty's. Mm-hmm. Like, that, was,
0: that was still when Mickey's was still pon, the old original Poncheros.
2: Poncheros. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why Foster sticks out as what I was drinking when I went down there. But they had a lot of
3: advertisements, maybe. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is
2: the back there. Must a for yeah. Well, <laughs> and, uh, you could get what quarter pitchers uh, at that time, if if yeah. I remember right, at uh, size. So
0: yeah, we used to go down to the Zone downtown. Oh yeah. That. For yeah. penny pictures? Penny pictures. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh boy. So, I didn't guess.
0: That got a little sketchy at times. But
2: uh And now I'm racking my brain to figure out how how that was legal. Like yeah, knowing right. everything I know now, it's like uh
0: that was the, it was better. like the uh it was uh gosh, was it Tazzles when we were there? That one yeah. up around the corner down there yeah. the dance club. Mm-hmm. It would have like five dollar cover and any yeah. coin night.
1: So yeah, so <laughs> any
0: silver coin.
1: Yeah. That yeah. That drinking drink it with Lincoln. Drink it yeah. with Lincoln. Five dollars got you in.
0: <laughs> and then it was yeah. any silver coin. It didn't matter if it was a nickel or a dime, you wanted a Long Island iced tea, it was a nickel. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Just craziness. But, I feel like uh, are, are
2: was, they going to start playing like glory days over this while we're talking about <laughs> like how? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I do have one more question for you before I, I let JT jump in here. You spent 11 years in Kansas City. I was born in Kansas City, raised a lot of the first 10 or 11 years of my life was in Missouri. But uh, what's your favorite barbecue place in Kansas City?
2: Uh, Joe's, Oklahoma Joe's. Okay. So Joe's I would say Oklahoma Joe's, but it, they changed it to what Joe's Kansas City. Although yeah. I, I loved everything, like I I I miss barbecue so much. Like there, Jack Stack. I love Jack Stack. Um, I, I was sure. never a huge Gates person, though. I, it wasn't Gates or Bryant's. I just didn't dig those. But I, I loved Jack Stack or or Joe's. Like Jack stacks who I had cater my wedding. Nice.
0: That's because we had it in my wedding in Kansas City. The only thing is they don't cater, or, or they didn't at that time, they don't cater out the cheesy corn, oh. which is a shame. But, yeah, that stuff
1: know. is good.
0: Yeah. So we've, no. we've kind of been... Cutting you out here, JT. Um, you want to jump in? You got something you want to ask Justin?
3: Yeah, I'll follow up on the Kansas City thing. My favorite Mexican restaurant the entire planet is in Kansas City, and it's actually not too far from Boulevard. Ponax. you ever go there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Ah, so good. Yeah. Not the best and-
3: salsa, but just incredibly good food. My dad and I, whenever we do a train trip, we'd go down there. Yes, we'd watch trains, but we'd always go to Ponax and have a couple of margaritas and just chow down on their food. And... You get way too much food like most Mexican restaurants. They always give you more food than you ever need, but oh man. You
2: got a hankering for that. Um speaking of Boulevard, do you have any favorite Boulevard brews? Tank seven. Uh Rye on Rye on Rye. Like the triple Rye on Rye, where yes. You're you're gonna lose an entire afternoon after you drink it. I remember yes. when that, that first came out and I, I I used to live downtown, like in this little loft uh, above this coffee shop or around around this co- coffee shop. I think I lived above the uh, hair salon. But there's a cool beer bar called the Belfry that's run by this great chef named Selena Teo. And okay. I, I would go over there when they'd get it in. And then I'd just walk back home and I'd just sleep probably from like three in the afternoon <laughs> until ten. <laughs> and then you just wake up and be like, Where am I?
0: Like,
2: uh, so I, I love Boulevard beers. I I don't get them as much as I, I used to. I, I was a big tank seven fan, but Tank was another one of those where it's like you gotta be careful. Like you can't just pound Tank Sevens all I mean you can, but then <laughs> then you're not gonna have much else going on.
0: It just depends on how dedicated you are, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, the come and goes
3: in high Vs here used to fill growlers and they had the rye on rye on rye. And I got a half growler of that and finished it in one night. That was not a good idea. It was fun no. until the next day. But uh, <laughs> what are what are some I've been down to Kansas City before, I've done Boulevard. Are there any other breweries you would recommend that maybe people don't know about? Because as many times as I've gone down, but I really haven't checked out many Scrap breweries except for oh god someplace just outside of town that is a bunch of all these small shops and there was, was an irish pub and can't remember what it's called but it's just outside of town it's actually this like in weston place.
2: yes yes exactly there you go yeah yeah uh i i would actually if, if i were to list them off i'd say cinder cinder block brewery uh which is Run by an Iowa Stater, uh, Bryce Shafter, who's a friend of mine. I'm drinking out of my uh, cinder block Willie Becker glass. Um, there you go. Uh, their Torn Label, I-, I was a big fan of their IPAs. I, I loved going over to Torn Label. I'm going to forget somebody and I'm going to feel really bad. Uh, if you're into cr- uh, sour beers, Crane Brewing it- it is pretty good. Um, God, uh, I. I guess Torn Label and Cinder Block, though, are, are two that I go to probably the most. Although there was uh, an upstart called BKS that w- became, like for Kansas City, like a little hot brewery. So their stuff was really good, too.
3: Now, uh, now that you write about beer for a living, has it changed the way you look at beer as a consumer
2: or not really? A little bit. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's hard to explain. Uh, it's like, yeah, I, that's, that's, I do look at it differently and I, I, I look at like motivation, like why are they doing this? Or like, you know, why are they doing this? You know, like, those, <laughs> those, those are two of,
0: different questions. Yeah, exactly. They very
2: much are. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, I, I try and see some motivations in, in things, I guess, more so now than I used to. It's like, I, we, we did this thing called the pitch slam and a couple of years back, somebody, uh, maybe it was two years ago. I can't even remember it. Time has flown so fast. Somebody got on stage and like all their product was in 750 milliliter bottles. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, you've got great liquid. And they're like, no, like we're selling these like crazy and it's like no like seriously g- get yourself a canner like can yourself some beers like it's, uh, this party ain't gonna last
0: yeah that's that's interesting because it for me i've never been on obviously in the beer industry so seeing the and talking about this part of it because i'm a business guy i'm a sales guy you know, for my real job. Um, but it's interesting to see the thought processes of why you can versus bottle and the expenses. And we've, you know, delved into some of that kind of stuff over the years, but I'm sure from your side of it, I'm sure you see all of that backside stuff when you talk to people and how things are going. Um, which sort of, I'm going to, I'm going to bust out the the guns again here. leads me to another question that I had. And, And, Tim, you know, it, amazingly enough, Tim and I grew up five miles apart from each other and did not know each other mm-hmm. in high school and went to Iowa State at the same time. It's kind of crazy. Um, but it's quite obvious that Tim really l- loves the beer industry and, and being a part of in brewing and doing all that. And he's very knowledgeable and passionate about it. Um, so there's obviously a lot of guys like him. But... Are there a lot of brewers that are in it to try to get the next buyout from Inbev or somebody like that, where they're just trying to to make a buck out of it? And can you tell the from the quality or the from the product those types of brewers? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I, I would say they're fewer than there there probably were before. Although, I think I. Fewer people who got in with the intention of selling like uh, like uh, I don't see that as like that's the beer industry isn't like the get rich quick. Like it's it's not anymore. Like at, there was a time that you could do that. Like the offers that people like Golden Road got or some of those other breweries who, who ended up selling, they got a mint and there aren't there aren't mints anymore for a lot of people. There are still really good deals. Uh, In last year, we saw two very big deals. uh, Well, three, I guess, but uh, New Belgium selling to Lion Little World beverages, Dogfish Head merging with Boston Beer, and Craft Brew Alliance, which is Kona, um, getting absorbed maybe, probably. I mean, it's... All depending on regulatory, but the AB and buy buyout there, and all I, I I think that there's just not a whole like if you've got a good brand, you're going to be able to get a, a decent price. But right now, like I I just don't see it being like a, a seller's market anymore. It's well, it's it's I think. A lot of people are for sale now, but it's not, it's not, the money's just not what it was. Well, you, you mentioned Craft Brew Alliance. We were originally going
1: to have, uh, Widmer Heffy to be the beer we're going to talk about tonight, but, uh, you know, JT couldn't get his hands on any because Craft Brew, I, I know you recently, you guys recently kind of covered how, how CBA's, shipments are down, how sales yeah. have been down for them. And, and I know that when that deal went down with, with AB, I mean, they'd had a distribution agreement in place with AB for at least a decade now, I guess. And and when that sale went down, that actually went down for, for you know, basically pennies on the dollar of what it could have been five years ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, last year, I, I think it- – was it I'm going to get my dates wrong just because everything blends together at this point but I think that AB had an option to buy them for 24.50 a share and ended up passing and I think they had to pay it, I'm I'm doing this off of memory so I think it was like 20 million dollars a one-time fee of 20 million dollars but all their distribution agreements stayed in place and all their contract brewing agreements uh, but then they ended up coming back around and buying them for I think it was like 16, 16 plus a share. So, yeah, they ended up finally doing the deal. But I think that that's mostly a deal for Kona. Like mm-hmm. that's that's their big flagship brand. Um, Widmer Brothers and Red Hook have been in the red for years. Uh they, that's just a fact. uh I have a lot of respect for CBA. I think Andy Thomas is a great CEO. I think Tom Bly, does a great job um, as as their innovation brewmaster behind the scenes. Carmen Olson's fantastic. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're good people. CBA is, and I'm very happy for them. If if th- this was the route they wanted to go at. But uh, yeah, I, I, this is this is very much to me a, a Kona deal, you know. It's oh yeah, just, absolutely. It, that brand's been on fire. It's it's its shipments were down. I I think it's shipments were down. Uh, I'm I'm a little off this week because I, I haven't been as plugged in this week because I've been moving boxes. Uh, we moved into a house this week. So I've been largely unplugged. And my colleague, Jess Infante, has been covering for me and doing a fantastic job. But uh, yeah, I think they were up on tough comps because they did a whole push during March Madness last year with Kona. So it was not having march madness not having losing all of these you know holidays from mid-march to who knows when because it's still going on um we're still in it yeah it's it's been hard on everybody so you're seeing it in all all the major brewers coming back with their earnings saying you know we're down we're down we're we're not doing as well and we're not going to give you any guidance going forward Unless you're uh, Sam Adams and you've got truly, so. <laughs> well, so that actually, that's that's a good segue because one thing that got brought
1: up today. So all of us contributors kind of. Uh, chat and bounce around ideas and just argue with each other on slack and one you thing that you got... argue with
0: people <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i missed that yesterday when i was working
3: i, was, I had like seventy thousand missed people were leaving the chat and i'm like what
1: the heck happened anyway anyway it's neither here nor there the point is <laughs> uh no today we were talking that we were talking about seltzer uh, and I had actually happened to, to post something that you guys had put up regarding, you know, from earlier this year, regarding the, the projections on, on seltzer growth and and the way that things like Truly and, and White Claw, um, bon and Ville, uh, and how they've cut into the beer market. And I guess I'm just kind of wondering, based off of what you have seen so far, uh, I know what I've seen here locally. I know what I've had to make as far as, as seltzer here locally but i'm kind of wondering uh what your kind of your forward thought is on on seltzer and how that's going to cut into the beer
2: space uh i think the predictions that it will be like a a 10 share of beer dollars is right on uh the growth is just it's phenomenal uh i it's it really is phenomenal it's it's triple digit growth at, at this time They're not hurt by this uh, loss of the on-premise because they weren't really in the on-premise to start with. Um, So everything you're seeing from the Seltzer numbers, it's like, well, it's still on fire. It's not slowed down they are made in variety packs and it's almost a product that's made for this moment. Although you, you sort of wonder if losing some of these summer occasions, if, if we lose any summer occasions, which we're bound to lose, but with some States opening up, I'm hedging here uh, more than I probably would have a few weeks ago, because I didn't think that so many States would be reopening the way they are. So it, and I, I think there's a fatigue among people. This is a whole other conversation, but Seltzer is a juggernaut, and I think it's it's a three or four horse race. And the the two lead horses so far, w- by far, are are White Claw and Truly, and I'm not sure that uh, any of the other products so far can can touch them.
1: Yeah, I I think it, I'd even. Did- bait that idea that it's three or four horses i think it's really two and a bunch of also rans. honestly
2: yeah i am I'm, I'm hedging there too because bud bud light seltzer came on so hard although i think the that liquid is inferior compared to the others and that's surprising since they they also own Bon and Vive and mm-hmm. they haven't been able to do anything with that brand and that was the first hard seltzer uh that was previously known as spike seltzer and having that first mover advantage didn't really prove out to be an advantage for them um constellation brands just launched their hard seltzer so i'm kind of taking a wait and see approach there and then you've got uh molson coors launching coors seltzer and uh visi and i think visi is a a a good brand or a, a good liquid and I, I just don't know if uh, I just don't know if it can touch the others. You know, it's like White Claw is a phenomenon and truly is sort of a. It's been Teflon, although it hasn't been able to sort of grow beyond its twenty percent or twenty or twenty share, or twenty twenty-five share, or whatever it is of the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at. At uh, what Mark Anthony Brands has done with with White Claw, and, you know they they took a lot of the the marketing savvy that they brought to a Mike's Hard Lemonade, and you know they really played amazingly well in that beer space with that Mike's Hard Lemonade. Now they're taking you know something that for all intents and purposes kind of fills a similar role to that FMB space, but is something unique because it's low calorie, it's still kind of that that alternative, but what they've been able to do and, and capture that market share, it's kinda hard to uh to really counter that whole you know, the ain't no laws when you're drinking clause type of thing. People have really just l- lot, latched onto that for whatever reason and it's uh, it seems to have a lot
2: of a lot of cachet, if you they, will. They owe that comedian a solid. I think his name is Trevor Wallace or or whatever his name was, but they they owe him for that big time, because I, it really did spike with that, you know, the Ain't No Laws thing. It really did take off.
0: Uh, let, let me know when there's a Molson ice seltzer, and I
2: might try one. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a Natty Light seltzer. Oh, Shouldn't that uh, be right up our alley here as Cyclone uh, fans? Uh, the, yeah. The, the, the brand taking- that took down Larry, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Goodness. Literally, spacious
1: so, co-ed seltzer.
0: <laughs> Good <laughs> God. Switch gears a little bit here um, before we get to our tasting, just for a few more minutes. Um, if you could, as a journalist, write about any other thing, any other topic, subject, lane you wanted to be in what would you care
2: to write about oh god <laughs> uh i i'm just going to roll with I, every, everybody who knows me knows i'm i've been like a wrestling nerd for forever like a pro wrestling nerd forever like in in junior high i wore like wrestling t-shirts to school every day because i don't know oh shit you're holding up a, a six pack NWO shirt. So Yep,
3: I just they just started reselling those online like a month ago. My buddy I looked for them in high school, they sold out right away and my buddy's like, they're selling them again. So I'm like, Yep, fine. So Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Joe, I'm like, I got this right here.
2: Maybe I'd uh, I'd take the business writing skills and I, I'd, I'd try and be uh, like Dave Meltzer, who is the dean of wrestling journalists and and write about that. But that's uh, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. to explain to the other guys, Dave Meltzer.
3: I didn't know. God, who who would he be the. Frank DeFord
2: or like <laughs> I'm hey, trying to
3: think of who's who's the who's the NFL guru now.
2: It uh, Adam
3: Schefter. He's the Adam Schefter of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Like or you remember back in the day, uh ESPN used to have Stump the Schwab show.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's
3: the Schwab. Or he's like Ben Stein where he knows everything about wrestling. So yeah, that would have been really cool.
2: Yeah. No, he's got his it. own. I got to meet him a couple of years ago at uh, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, oh, nice! I, I knew somebody that knew him, and we were introduced and sat behind him at an NXT takeover event. It was the uh, this is way off the rails, but uh, the oh. event where Shinsuke Nakama, Nakamura debuted in WWE it was fucking rad. So. Yeah,
3: no, NXT. NXT is the only reason I still watch anything WWE. So, yeah. I'm with you there. Can I do a follow-up question? If you get to drink a beer with any three wrestlers, who would they
2: be? Well, Stone Cold Steve Austin is. Okay, the, good answer. Number one, uh, I would have said CM Punk, but he doesn't drink beer, so I can't see, say CM. Well, he Punk. can have
3: a diet Pepsi then.
2: Well, we'll skip him, but I, okay. I'll I'll say Ric Flair because yep. it's Ric Flair, man. Like you, you get a drink with Ric Flair, you're probably. That's that's a night you're you're never ever ever gonna forget, and uh, for the third one, man, that's a good one.
1: Who's the uh, who's the who's the wrestler in uh, in Memphis?
2: Jerry the Jerry King. Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. <laughs> I actually i I think I'd want to drink with Andre the Giant if I could because uh, he, there's all the myths about how much he can drink, so I'd like to see see that firsthand hey, can i ask, one, yeah,
3: more question be- can I ask yeah. one more question before we go <laughs> on to the next one this is both for tim and justin when i first started getting into beer the really big craft brew was awesome boston beer company with Boston lager and all that the other one was line and kugels which everyone used to drink line and kugels and now it's like no longer exists what the heck happened there
2: it still it, exists. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's, it's like, not as it's,
3: popular. I mean, like with, everyone used to drink Lionys. I don't know anyone that mentions Lionys anymore. So
1: what what happened is is uh, they were purchased by at the time Miller Coors, and I think they lost their cachet. I think they lost their cool factor. Okay. The, re- the reality is is they're they're still all over. They're still making some fantastic beers. Uh, but I think once you started it to see. Them get more into Berry Vice and Summer Shandy and some of these things, then they started to kind of lose some of that cool factor. But some of the, the beers, particularly if you go uh, to Chippewa Falls, some of the beers that you can have at the brewery are fantastic, and, and some other limited re- release stuff are absolutely
2: amazing. And I,
1: I still think that, that Honey Vice is one of the best pizza beers of all time, frankly.
2: Before we were all locked down in January, there was a, a uh, one of our, our uh, rival publications, uh, Beer Business Daily, had its conference in Florida, and one of the Lining Kugels, I can't remember which one, was walking around the hotel with his beer. Went into the hotel bar where where we were. With his with his own beer, like his own line, Google's beer, because they weren't serving it there and he was drinking it in the bar. Which <laughs> I was like, wow, that's kind of ballsy, but sure, why not? So
0: so funny. What are they side gonna no. do?
2: Tell you now? Like Yeah,
0: ugh. right. Um, so when when I was doing ragbri back in the day, um, the guys that I rode with that were friends of my brothers and had the their rag Bride team. We were sponsored by Line and Kugels for for at least a year or two. Big Line and Kugel sticker they sent us we put on the side of the bus and they would give us six free kegs for the week. Jeez. Um, and uh, so what did you do pretty, the next Pretty sweet deal for a bunch of college guys, right? The, the kegs <laughs> only lasted the first two days. I
3: was gonna say in you know... that day you're lucky <laughs> if that lasts a day with six kegs. Yeah,
0: yeah. but uh, that was awesome. I remember that that that's when you know they. I don't know how they even managed to get a hold of those guys, but it's probably the same kind of same guy that made that decision. That's walking into a bar with his own beer, right? He's like, "Yeah, whatever, let's do it," you know. But I mean, it was advertising to fourteen thousand people for an entire week for almost no money. You know, they didn't spend a whole lot of money on it, so.
2: That's like it advanced was little crazy. league sponsorship. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. So, um, well, with that, we're going to wind down the, the the visiting part here. We're going to take a short uh, break here to, to pump our sponsors. And uh, then we're going to be back with the tasting. And uh, we'll see you in a few.
2: So, pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com.
0: All right. Welcome back. Um, we got to apologize to you just a little bit here in the last pod. And, and what we've been trying to do is tell you what the next beer coming is. And, uh, well, we had picked one and then we couldn't get it. So it's not Widmer, uh, Hefeweizen today. We are doing uh, New Belgians Fat Tire. Um, you know, it's beer. That's what I say every week. <laughs> um, but this one, um, Tim, or even Justin probably has a, quite a bit of insight too. How, tell us a little bit just about this beer because it's been around a long time
1: yeah you know New Belgium is one of those breweries that was founded in like nineteen ninety 1990 or nineteen ninety one something like that um so it's not kind of that first wave we talked about last week with with Sierra Nevada you know that late seventies or early eighties, but it's kind of that that second wave, but they're definitely one of those those breweries that have been around for a long time and still maybe not the grandfathers of the, the craft beer movement, but certainly the elder statement statesman of the craft beer movement. And this beer in particular is definitely one of those beers that, you know, it's an easier drinking. It's what? 5.2%, 22 IBUs, something like that. Uh, so it, it, one of those things that was a noticeably craft beer so you get that kind of biscuit and caramel there's caramel malts in there I mentioned caramel malt last week as well there's that victory malt that's going to give it that reddish hue but it's those those type of malts that became a little bit more of a malt forward so opposed to the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale that we talked about that was really focusing on hops, this is more about that noticeably craft multi beer, uh, just something that someone can look at and say, oh, that's a craft beer, and that's where it kind of became, it almost became the shorthand for craft beer in a lot of ways. Justin, you have any other thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Sure. It's it's almost a brand into itself, too. Like It's almost... It's part of New Belgium, but it almost feels separate in some ways. In the ways they've treated the brand, like it's like fat tire. It's I I don't know. There's just this weird association disassociation, you know, from the brand, like that it could almost stand upon uh, on its own legs. Kind of like
1: uh, arrogant bastard in stone.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, And I feel like they were trying to do that for a while, but maybe didn't take it's it's also one of those it's it's had the issues of a what brand of its age like 30 year old brand where sales aren't what it used to be but it's also off of a huge base so it's you know been in decline for a few years it's been up probably the last few weeks because of people stocking up but uh it's it's been steadily dropping and I I think more of the focus of their portfolio probably moves to newer brands like the Voodoo Ranger series of IPAs. Yeah, and
1: uh you had mentioned 'cause they'd been they'd been employee owned for a while until just was that just last fall that they sold to the, the Kieran subsidiary. I forget the name of that.
2: Yep. Uh, uh, Lion Little World, Lion Little World beverages. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, but they've always been kind of a
1: a socially conscious brewery. Yep. Uh, concerned about uh, their carbon footprint, concerned about all of that, and so they've been something that I think has has resonated. And then again, like Justin said, just the brand alone. I think some people sometimes call it fat tire brewing and don't even realize. Fat Tire is a brand of New Belgium.
2: Well, and what, what you just pointed out there too about them being employee-owned at the time of the sale is a lot of times, uh, if well, if your company isn't um, employee-owned at the time of the sale, your employees largely aren't going to benefit from the sale. Like the New Belgium employees, a lot of them benefited from the sale to... Kieran, they 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 got a payout that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Sure. So yeah, I it speaks very well of employee ownership and taking care of your employees. So the beer itself. So
1: Justin, the the way I kind of walk these guys through is I kind of do my typical tasting of appearance, aroma taste mouthfeel finish type of things. so I usually just kind of ask these guys what they're seeing uh, I do usually ask that Aaron pours it into a glass and he usually smiles and says yeah whatever I know JT certainly does that
0: oh hey look he actually I've did I've done funny. it on every single pod <laughs> I'm all right, very professional
1: so, alright so tell me guys what you're seeing as oh. you look at this thing what, what are some of the things that you notice since we drink with our eyes first type of thing
0: Well, it's clear, as in you can see through it. It is not murky, or for lack of a better term, right? Like, I can still see your ugly face through it if I hold it up in front of my screen. And uh, it's also a a rich amber color, a reddish hue to it, um, which makes it very appealing looking.
3: It reminds me last week of when we had the Sierra Nevada, where it was definitely a clear but you can, but it's definitely a little bit more red than the Sierra Nevada was. But it was something that I certainly describe as clean when I look at it. Uh, just initial looks at it. It's a good, red, clean-looking beer.
1: So Victory malt is one of those malts that I've always loved using because it gets a nice, really kind of bright red. And I like to use that as almost one of my cheat malts for making something red. And, I, and I'm 99% certain there's Victory malt in this as well. Uh, but you definitely get that. So, yeah, certainly, like I said, it it, it gives you the visual perception of, of clean, which is awesome. What are you guys getting now out of that aroma that's in your glass?
0: Well, Tim, it's very malt forward. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's very subtle. I'm not getting the piney that we got from the Sierra Nevada. It's almost you have to really focus on... The sense of smell to smell anything but i'd say yeah definitely malty would be the word i would go with
0: it's almost uh to be a little more serious about it (laughs) it's it's almost it's definitely a sweeter smell Hmm. to me than say the sierra nevada was it's not a it's pungent it's a more as JT said it's a it's more subtle, but it's a it's a much sweeter um, smell to me than than the other stuff that we've had yet. So
1: I almost get like an herbal kind of like maybe fennel type of of quality that comes out there, too. But yeah, there's definitely that maybe that biscuity type of sweetness as well. I don't know. Justin, you're joining us. Do you have any other thoughts? Anything you want to add on this? I
2: think you guys nailed it. It's just good. It's just a good beer. Like, it sounds like me. Uh, my my uh, my expertise. I I have gone through some of the Cicerone training. I have not taken the the actual Cicerone test. I I have passed the multiple choice, so I have my little certified beer server pin. Yep. But yeah, I mean, you guys are nailing it. It's like I, I get the caramel. I get the you know just. Everything you guys talk, it's malty, it's biscuity, all that.
1: All right, so then we talk about uh, taste, mouthfeel, and finish. What are you guys getting out of that?
0: Well, it tastes good. That's very descriptive. Um, this one, <laughs> and maybe it's the three Widmers I had before we started the podcast um, that have added to this, but I get a little more residual I don't know what the right term is so for lack of a better term how about sliminess uh, <laughs> okay.
3: it, it, you know it's not it,
0: not like a bad you know what I mean but it's like is there's like a coating it's oh. like it coats my teeth in the inside of my mouth a little bit um, sure. I mean I'm not trying to say it's bad because I, I actually love this beer it's really good Um but maybe that's cuz i just want
2: I'm... to see that ad campaign
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> right
0: exactly it's not the not a glowing uh, review term for sure but i mean that's really what i get from a mouthfeel standpoint is that, that kind of slick um, you know gummy type feeling in my mouth after drinking a couple three four, whatever <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely doesn't finish as dry as, say, like the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale did, that you do have. I wouldn't call it a cloying sweetness, but there is definitely something that lingers on the tongue, for sure. Or slimy, I guess, if you
3: will.
1: Your your wife must truly be romanced there, seriously. There's, like, no bitterness. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah, no, there
0: really isn't. Oh, if you were talking about my wife, I was going to say there's lots of bitterness, but you know, <laughs> she hasn't left yet, so I guess we haven't reached the limit. Uh, but, uh, no, it's absolutely not bitter at all. I mean, it's it's really smooth, and it's a, it's a really good beer. I like it a lot. I've been drinking this since the 90s. JT, <laughs> so, any, any thoughts,
3: anything you want to add on this one? The first word that comes to mind uh, is consistent. From when you drink it until the aftertaste, it's the same thing. It doesn't change. Like some of the beers we've had before, you know, you get the first initial taste, and you get one thing, and then you get an aftertaste, and that lingers. This, It's just all the same, and it's good. Like we said last week with this here in Nevada, it's just a good beer. You need a good hoppy beer, that's where you go. This is just a good, nice, smooth, mossy is the word we've been using for beer so if you're not really into the bitter hoppiness, this would be a really good beer you can drink. It'd be something I could think you could drink all year round, whether it's cold out, whether it's hot out, whether you're on the patio, whether you're playing hockey, what have you, you could drink it, and it still tastes good no matter what. It's not overpowering. It's just a good, subtly, tasty beer. I mean, I don't know what more to say besides that.
1: I don't think there's anything more to say. I, I uh, It's one of those things that has been, yeah, I've been drinking it, for for 20 some odd years or whatever and, and uh I'm, I'm still not disappointed with it it's still something that i think uh deserves a, a place in my fridge absolutely
3: you want to know something funny about fat tire we talked about rag earlier there's a rumor years ago that fat tire was created for rag here in iowa <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure that's not true. I'm like, isn't this made in Colorado? People are like, it's made in Iowa. I'm like, okay,
2: but yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I'll, uh... yeah. We, just we
2: can play rumor killer there.
1: Okay. <laughs> next next time you see Kim Jordan, you you uh you ask her, Justin. <laughs> She'll should
2: be, should be like, rag what?
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. But no, this is of the beers that we've we've had so far. Um, honestly, this is this is my favorite of the ones we've had so far. I've drank a lot of this beer over the years. Um, I really, really do like it, and it begs the question as to why I don't pick it up more often. Um, you know, you talk about the the sales declining from its peak and all of that earlier, but you know, it's one of those things where I just don't. I don't think about it all the time you know when i go to grab beer because i don't typically drink a lot of beer i would try to grab something pretty bland you know a budweiser or miller high life which i love but i don't think about something like this which is you know still a really good beer and would be a nice change of pace but uh it just kind of doesn't sit in the front of my brain when i think about going and getting beer from the store or whatever
3: and honestly, I'd say this is one of the beers when I started to get into beer because I, I grew up not liking beer at all. Even when I turned 21, beer wasn't my thing. But this is one of the beers that actually kind of got me into craft beers and kind of got my palate going because it's an easy-drinking beer that wasn't a Bud Light, a Coors Light, a Miller Light, which is garbage. Never drink it. so uh, yeah, it was something that actually got me. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's something beyond the normal easy-drinking or – Back when I was at UNI, I used to, there was a place that had the uh, um, Schwarzbier, which was really good because it was dark and different than everything else. But this was something that I'm kind of like, okay, I want to get into craft beer. This was kind of a good, for lack of, aw, for lack of a better word, uh, training wheels, I think, for people trying to get into the craft brew. I mean, it's not an offensive, overpowering taste. It's very easy. It's very subtle, but it's very good, so... It's not going to be like oh god, what was the first one we did? Was that Peroni? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be like a Heineken. It's going to be something where you could pick it up, not know much about beer, and just take a sip and be like, oh yeah, okay, I like this.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, sometimes people turn their nose up at the term, but gateway beer. It's definitely one of those things. It's going to introduce people. Like I said, it's it's one of those things that, be, that became one of the the quintessential markers of a noticeably craft beer
0: it's the marijuana of beer no <laughs> <laughs> and it's made and in colorado g- high ironic. gateway beer
2: yeah. it's uh, uh it's funny that now as old as this beer is it's like it could be somebody's dad's beer yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah that's true
2: I mean, sure. there's a whole class of those of great beers like Sierra Nevada Pale, uh, Fat Tire. They're just, you know, they've, they've stood the test of time and they've reached the point that they could be somebody's dad's beer.
1: Like Falstaff?
2: <laughs>
1: well, I, I have a feeling if, if you and I went into size right now and ordered a Fat Tire, it would be like, how old are you guys?
2: they'd be like don't you want you know this beer from uh exile or 515 or confluence or wherever yeah Yeah. you don't you don't want a des moines ipa
3: (laughs) since that's a big confluence one but yeah or what would exile be the hannah or the ruthie or the yeah yeah
2: Do do you make it back to iowa much i do all my family is there so, still I, a Madrid? yeah, I, all of them are still in Madrid. <laughs> like, still part of the
0: Madrid Beer Drinkers Association. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, some of them are trying to
3: be Madrid, which which will be a sub of bubber of, of Ankeny before too
2: long. Here, and yeah, it's it's crazy how how I don't know how built up it's become, and the Trestle Trail has really helped. So. <laughs> Who, who would traffic? have thought? No, I I just remember, like, my uncle used to, like, hang dummies off, off that trail, like, back in probably the <laughs> <decade>. So, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, it actually has a purpose now rather than, you know, just a, an old train track that doesn't work anymore.
3: Yeah, because, yeah, that wasn't even a big train track. I think that was old Milwaukee Road back in the day. It wasn't. Not again- I think it was the Milwaukee Road that was their tracks. Not going to be used with old Milwaukee, the beer that our dads probably drank, but Milwaukee Road was an actual railroad. And I think that was their line. If not, it was Chicago Western, not Chicago Northwestern, but yeah. But it was weird. it's weird that all these old train tracks make for great bike trails, which make for great beer drinking, which makes us all happy.
0: For sure. So there's a couple of questions that I want to finish with here with you um one that we've kind of just been asking we started with and asked everybody so far all one guest that we've had so that's everybody <laughs> um but we we started by just listing off uh, a pretty simple list of three or four or five um beers that if you were stranded on a desert island these are the beers you would want to have with you
2: okay uh allagash white That that's Probably my my favorite call beer. Where if I'm staring at at a menu and I don't know what to order, I'm I'm gonna order an Allagash White. I, I'm gonna want one of like, oh man, this is great. Uh, I want Tank Seven. Uh, I do want that. I want I, I want a whole assortment from the Lost Abbey. I I just love Tommy <laughs> Arthur. I, I don't know. Like, I, I need some Sierra ne- Nevada Pale Ale there. I, these are all, like, staple beers, I feel like, except for the Lost Abbey, which I'm taking Tommy with me, by the way. So. <laughs> He's, I'm going to make him, like, figure out how to brew beers on on the island. What is Lost Abbey? I guess I'm not familiar with that. They're a uh, Belgian-inspired brewery in uh, San Marcos, Okay.
0: San Diego area. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, uh, the final question I want was going to ask you. So you've got, obviously, well, David's not here. We had all the time zones covered, but uh, if David would have been here. But I've only lived in Washington for about three years. So Seattle area, Washington, maybe even down to Portland. The brewery that I absolutely have to go to,
2: Rubens Brews. Okay. Uh, just a big fan of of what they do. I think they do a great assortment. I like, I love their IPAs, um, and they're good people. I, I've gotten to know them. I like them. I think they're cool. So, and, and where's that at? It's in the Ballard neighborhood.
0: Okay, Then Seattle, there Ballard. Okay. Cool. What about uh, in Tim's neighborhood up in Minneapolis? I know Tim knows him, but from your perspective, from the outside of somebody who doesn't live there.
2: I feel like I've got less perspective, actually, on Minneapolis than than I would. I, you know, like, I, I feel like it, I'd be copping out. I, I enjoy Surly's beer. So, and for as, as hard hit as Minnesota is right now because of COVID, um, just because... I. And when I say that, I mean the beer industry, because breweries like Surly are unable to do to-go beer or drive through or anything like that. So they've got a whole revenue stream that's been ripped away from them. Uh, I'd want to support them, support whatever local brewery I could up there.
0: Awesome. And what about uh, in Des Moines, if you're going home?
2: I, well i the last time i was there i stopped at exile so i'd probably want to go back and visit those guys because they were super nice so um yeah and it, it was easy to get to from the airport <laughs> i want some beer very quickly after making that trip
0: and and is that Not also included? also include a stop at casey's for a slice of pizza when you get in
2: Oh man. Uh, Casey's. Uh, oh, Casey's. Yeah. yeah like, for some that's pizza. that's what we're having for dinner, man. Uh, like, we're gonna ha- we're gonna get we're gonna get the best pizza in Iowa from a gas station. <laughs> it, Especially it the breakfast awesome. pizza. Yeah. Yes,
0: that's crazy.
2: Yeah. I love I love Casey's. Like yeah. Casey's donuts, Casey's pizza, and then, yeah, I'm gonna hook it all up.
3: According yeah, to our yeah. Slack earlier, apparently they've got really good uh, breakfast burritos now, too. Oh, yeah? I didn't yeah. know they had it. It's not even on their website. But, yeah, according to Gookin and a couple other people on our Slack, they're just supposed to be flat-out amazing eating-your-car burritos.
0: Oh, oh Awesome. Yeah. Um, guys, anything else before we let Justin go and shower him with thank yous for coming on?
1: No, I no, I think I am good. Uh I Justin, I seriously, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're obviously
2: transitioning with your move and all of that going on, but uh it's, it's a nice little break uh after moving boxes for eight days and unpacking boxes and spending way too much money on furniture. I didn't know I needed and didn't know we <laughs> needed and eating takeout and all, all that and fighting with the cable company and all, just figuring out everything that's wrong with the house and getting it fixed quickly. And tomorrow is painting. So, Oh, Ooh. Uh,
0: you might, you saved a few beers for that, right?
2: Yeah, I think I've <laughs> got four out of this six-pack to go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and a whole fridge of uh, Dogfish Head 60 Minutes. So, yeah. yeah that's, that, that would be another one. I, I, I'm going to take with me uh, some Dogfish Head.
0: There you go. Well, uh, we we really, really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Uh, go ahead and, and plug where people can find you so that we can push all 12 people that are listening to this podcast so far. Uh,
2: you're if, away. <laughs> if all 12 of them have any interest in beer industry news, they can go to brewbound.com. So that's, that's where we're at. Um, this Thursday, we'll be doing another live stream event uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern where we're going to talk about how breweries in various states, Missouri Georg- and Georgia, are surviving the coronavirus outbreak so uh we're we're gonna talk to monday night brewing uh i believe second shift and i'm gonna get yes creature comforts so cool yeah should be fun awesome well once again thank you so much for
0: for coming on um really really appreciate it hopefully we haven't scared you off too bad and maybe you'll come back another time
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Like this is, this has been fun. I've probably said way too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Hey, and just want to remind everybody again that, uh, obviously the next pod we, we are trying to promote the beer that we're going to have. So you can drink along with this. Uh, I believe we've settled in on stone IPA, uh, for our next, uh, podcast. So, you know, get out, get some of that. If you can find it, drink along with us. We've moved the drop times of the episodes to Wednesdays. So you can cruise into the weekend with us, uh, rather than dropping them on Monday mornings. So, uh, you know, keep looking at us, looking us up. You can find us on Twitter. Um, some of us on Facebook, TGS on Twitter, tailgatesociety.com deadeye barbecue sauce, the best goddamn barbecue sauce on the face of the planet check them out at hy fairway amazon prime and whatever that other website is that i promise i'll get right one of these days and uh again we appreciate it thanks for hanging in there with us we've, we've actually gotten some really nice feedback from people and we appreciate that and uh hope to continue to do this because it has been a lot of fun and uh anybody got anything before we get, get out of here Go Cyclones. There There you go. That's it. Right on. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.